you're listening to Mysteries Beyond. What mysteries lie beyond the reach of our senses? And who are you in this vast multiverse? Welcome to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender. We are just a few days away from Halloween. All Hallows Eve, Samhain, whatever title you choose to call it. A time where, as a collective, we choose to celebrate life by acknowledging its counterpart, death. A time where some of us might choose to practice communion with the dead, or at the very least, at least attempt to anyway. And I don't know about you guys, but I can definitely feel the thinning of the veil. I have been having quite a few vivid and memorable strange dreams recently. Also, a few electrical disturbances with my computer glitching, a few light bulbs flickering, and my cell phone randomly playing my music when I have walked away from it. And I can't blame it on Mercury Retrograde. And also, a few personal in-your-face type of synchronicities. But when you do spiritual work, especially during this time, don't be surprised if that something reaches out and attempts to communicate back. But while we continue on this journey and on this season of death, per se, I wanted to talk about a figure who has been labeled as a sort of messenger of death. And that is the legend of La Llorona, translated to English as the weeping woman. But who is La Llorona? Is she an evil spirit seeking to cause harm to any who bestow her? Is this an evil spirit that can possess mothers to do the most horrendous of crimes against their own children? Or is this a lost spirit, condemned forever to wander the earth in immense pain and suffering, full of guilt and in much need of love and guidance towards the light? There are many versions to the legend of La Llorona. I will share with you the one I most commonly heard growing up. Long ago, in Mexico, in a small village, there lived a young and beautiful woman. She was poor, but her natural beauty was acknowledged by everyone in the village. One day, 
a noble Spaniard man was passing through the village when he glanced at her. They immediately fell in love. However, their love was considered a forbidden type of love because he was of noble descent and she was not. His side of the family did not agree to this union, but that didn't matter and they ended up moving far away from their families. They ended up having three children together, but as the time passed, he would be away for longer periods of time until one day he simply never returned. She was left to raise the children on her own as a single mother, and poverty soon returned. One day, she and her children were walking down a road by a river when she saw a familiar carriage. To her surprise, she discovered it was her husband with another younger woman. In many of the other versions, this other younger woman was said to be a Spaniard of noble descent. So after having witnessed this with her own eyes, in a state of rage, a state of sadness, she grabbed her children and drowned them as her husband watched in horror. It wasn't until she saw the lifeless bodies floating in the river that she realized what she had done. And as the guilt and despair set in, she drowned herself in the river. But although she may have drowned herself, her spirit lived on, forever crying and repenting and searching for her children. But as I mentioned before, there are many versions to her story. In some, she only had two children. In another, her name was Maria. There was another where her husband never left her intentionally. It just so happened he went to war and died. There is even a more modern version where her children are said to have drowned by accident from a time where she left them alone to go to a dance. Others say her children were from a previous marriage and decided to kill them in order to be free to marry again. Whatever the version though, the ending and some elements remain the same. The fact that her children died due to drowning in a river and the implication that she was a bad mother. As for her origin story, it's still a little bit unclear. Although she is very much a Mexican figure, a Mexican legend, if you are near the borders, many of the versions to her story will be tied to the Rio Grande. Having to associate her to immigrant women trying to cross the border with their children and of course, tragically dying in the river. But as you move more towards the central part of Mexico, she is tied to La Malinche. La Malinche, by the way, is also typically a nickname that is given to Mexican women 
who are seen as traitors to their culture. And La Malinche is also associated with being a bad mother. And for context, I'll just briefly explain who La Malinche is. So she was an indigenous woman, a Nahua woman, who was given to Hernán Cortés around 1519. So she was basically his slave, who later became his interpreter, because she spoke Mayan, Nahua, and eventually learned Spanish. So she basically translated everything for him, and because of this, he was able to obtain a lot of information. She also ended up becoming his mistress, and was said to have bore him a son. And there are some who claim that when Cortez decided to leave her and take the kid back to Spain with him, La Malinche decided to kill her own son rather than to give them up to the Spaniards. So she became known forever as a bad woman. Not only did she betray her indigenous culture for a man, but also killed her own child. And that's how she is tied to La Llorona. But the origins and roots of La Llorona go back even further, all the way back to Aztec mythology. She is also associated with the Aztec goddess Siwakwatl, whose name is said to mean female serpent or divine snake woman. She was the goddess of motherhood and childbirth, and was said to have a beautiful figure that she used to seduce men. But she was also said to have been a deity with a half-human, half-serpent body. And because she was a goddess that ruled over motherhood and childbirth, it was believed that when women died in childbirth, that woman was then honored as much as a warrior who had died in battle. The spirit of these women then served the goddess in the afterlife. And also, according to folklore, this goddess was said to have appeared after the conquistadors took over the Aztec Empire. And so this goddess doesn't weep for her own children. She weeps for all children who died when the Spanish began raiding the Aztec's land. And to this day, her legend continues to live on and evolve into many different versions. As far as appearances go, some say she's an ugly creature, demon-like almost, and others say she's a beautiful woman. She will usually always wear white, and her hair is damped and mangled. Her eyes are red from all the crying, and some say her face is scarred from all the tears she has cried. She always wears a veil, and will lift her veil only to see the victims that are chosen to help her find the bones of her lost children. She appears mostly at night, and there aren't too many who actually see her, but rather hear her. You can hear her wailing, repeating the same phrase over and over again. 
Ay, mis hijos, ¿dónde están mis hijos? Which translates to, Oh, my children, where are my children? And legend says, If you hear her, far away, that means she's closer to you than ever. So you better run and hide immediately and begin to pray. However, if you hear her close to you, then she's farther away. It is said that if you have a face-to-face -face encounter with her, she will bring you immediate death. And if not death, she can paralyze you with the effects lasting for days. Some say she is simply a messenger of death, so if you hear her, it might mean someone in your family or someone close to you is going to die soon. She is known to travel by water, so with the rain, by the lakes, by the rivers, and I can't help but think that the oldest form of a mirror is water. And what are mirrors known to be? Portals. And when I think about water, aside from portals and mirrors, two other things come to mind. Emotions and the eternal cosmic womb. And what do I mean by this? Well, with water being associated with emotion, I see it as a symbol to become aware of your emotions. Don't act out of rage, out of sadness, out of despair, out of passion. Because as we see with this legend of La Llorona, it could have fatal consequences. So don't let your emotions overrule you is part of the moral that I take from this story. And when I first learned that she is known to travel by water, I also thought of the cosmic womb, which is basically consciousness. So, not only is she able to travel by lakes and rivers and other bodies of water, but she can also travel and show up in your consciousness. I have heard stories of people who experience dreaming with her, and those dreams are seldomly pleasant. I heard a story of a girl tell her experience that she had a nightmare with La Llorona, and in her nightmare, she was alone at night in the street where it was pouring, raining, and La Llorona was choking her. When she woke, she woke up to a sleep paralysis experience. And when she was able to regain movement of her body, she realized it was raining outside. There have been many paranormal accounts of people who claim to know that she can follow you home, creep into your house at night, and can appear in the passenger side of your car if you're driving alone 
at night, that is. And she is known to attack and or kill children. The legend of La Llorona is often used as a cautionary tale to children, teenagers, and adults. Many parents are known to tell the tale to their children at a very young age in hopes that they will listen to their parents. Some parents even go as far as to tell their children to stop crying or they'll summon La Llorona where she'll take them away forever. For teens, it also serves as a sort of scare tactic to get them to come home earlier and or before dark in order to prevent them from getting into any unnecessary trouble. And for adults, the legend serves as more of a reminder to be good parents and tend to your children. What I found extremely fascinating while doing my research for La Llorona is that many cultures throughout the world have a version of their own weeping woman. So I've mentioned Siwakwatl, the Aztec goddess of childbirth. But if we go across the globe to Ireland, we have what is known as the Banshee. In Ireland, Banshees are a form of disembodied spirits who can take the form of a woman. Sometimes they are depicted as being pale and ghostly-like. Other times they are seen as beautiful women. And in other versions, they are more elderly-like women. They are usually dressed wearing a shroud. And Banshees, like La Llorona, are heard, but banshees are known for their screaming. They are an omen of death. What I came to find out was that in the 8th century, it was a tradition for some women to sing sorrowful songs to lament someone's death. Soon enough, it became a profession, and these women were known as keeners. And some of these women even accepted alcohol as a form of payment, and because of this, they were considered sinners, and they were to be punished eternally. They became banshees in the afterlife, doomed to an eternal life at wailing at death. In Scotland, we have what is known as the Ben Nye. Now, these beings don't scream, but they are known to be feminine beings, who are also messengers of death. You'll find them by streams and or rivers washing the blood off the clothes of the person that's about to die. And even all the way in Japan, they have a being known as Yuki Ona. And as far as appearances go, this being is said to be a beautiful snow woman ghost with long black hair, pale skin, and dressed in a white kimono. She is said to never leave any tracks in the snow because she floats and has no feet. And her eyes are said to strike terror into the victims that get lost in the snowy mountains. It is said that she was once a pregnant woman who froze to death 
And that is why sometimes she shows herself holding a baby. Like La Llorona, she is also known to kidnap kids. And she does this to absorb their vital energy. And there's also the Greek mythology of Lamia, who was said to be a beautiful mortal woman, a queen of ancient Libya. And she was so beautiful that Zeus himself desired her. He was able to seduce her, and they had many kids together. However, Zeus's wife, Hera, was a jealous goddess. And so she killed all of Lamia's children. In fact, every time she gave birth, Hera murdered them. After a while, Lamia went mad, and she began to steal babies from other mothers, only to eat them. She was actually also cursed to never be able to shut her eyes, so that she could forever obsess over her dead children. Eventually, Zeus took pity on her and gave her the ability to be able to remove her eyes from her sockets so that she could rest and was later transformed into a monster where she was depicted as half-human, half-snake, like the Aztec goddess Siwakwatl. Today, La Llorona can also be seen as the personification of the concept of pain, of grudge, of wailing, of suffering, and guilt that a woman might experience. She is also seen as the personification of the concept of postpartum depression and the mental illness that a mother might succumb to after childbirth. So, is La Llorona an evil spirit, one who influences mothers all over the world to kill their own children? Or is she a lost spirit, one in need of much love and guidance towards the light? Because to every story, to every myth, to every legend, there is some level of truth. And most of us listening now are very aware that other dimensions exist. And during this cyclical time, the thinning of the veil, these dimensions tend to merge with one another. And if you give energy to these stories, these legends, and these myths, they can become true. According to the Tibetan concept of tulpas and egregores, if you feed it energy, you can give it life. So if tonight, after having listened to this episode, you hear wailings, especially from afar, do not open your windows, do not open your doors. Instead, pray or say your mantras until you hear it no longer. With that true recorded audio, I leave you guys tonight. 
Have a safe and happy Halloween wherever you may be. Reach out to me by email at lauralavender.mb at gmail.com or friend me on Instagram at lauralavender.mb and you can also message me through there. Don't forget to check out the website at www.mysteriesbeyond.com and as always, thank you so much for listening to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender, and I'll see you guys next episode.